Welcome to another episode of the Space for Dallas podcast. This is Dallas. Man, I took a uh, I took a quick break there. I took a Labor Day uh, for my podcast. Took a took a took a Labor Day podcast vacation, baby. <laughs> oh, Labor Day vacation from a podcast. How ridiculous is that? You know, if I was smart about these, I'd actually bank these in the future and then release them. So it's not just you know, it's not just this constant. Um, I'm always like trying to, you know, stay on top of it, I could actually relax and not have to, you know, freak out if I miss a weekend or something. But that's not uh, that's not the space for Dallas way, guys. That's not how we do things here on this podcast. This podcast is always new. It's always fresh. It's always coming right at you, you know, fresh hot take from Dallas Chang. And uh, this week's fresh hot take, stage 10, Tour de France. First time, uh, or not the first time, but a uh, a long time an Irishman has won a stage of the tour stage ten Sam Bennett first Irishman to win a stage of the Tour de France since Dan Martin back in oh 2013 and 2018 he is one of less than t- ten he is the sixth Irishman to win a stage at the Tour de France after Seamus Elliott. 1963, Sean Kelly, 1980, Stephen Roche, 1987, Martin Early, 1989, and Dan Martin in 2013. Not many uh, Irishmen uh, winning uh, Tour de France stages. Of course, I could also say the same thing for American. <laughs> not many not many American riders winning Tour de France stages either. So, you know, good on him for doing that. Stage 10, man, filled with a bunch of crashes, you know, and it was a sprint stage too. It was mostly flat, not a lot of climbing. Um, so uh, mostly a, a stage for the the sprinters, the green jersey. Uh, you know, I figured out why I need to drink so much on this podcast. I need to drink so much because I uh, have the hottest room in the house. My house faces the sun uh, when it is setting. Um, so basically, after in the mornings. Uh, in the mornings, my room is freezing cold. And then in the late afternoon, my room is blazing hot because what happens is in the morning, it's cool and all that sort of cool air, that morning sun, uh, just doesn't hit my room at all. So it's freezing. And then later in the day when it gets nice and hot, hottest part of the time of the day at two or three o'clock, I just get hours of that sun and that heat just hitting me right into the right into the uh right into the old bedroom here and it gets so hot i have to constantly drink water if i was smart i would just like you know leave my bedroom and like work downstairs or something like that but uh not uh not me dude not the dallas way i uh, i struggle through it you know push through ah oh, man it's so nice having some nice cool water. Yeah, so I have my uh, window open right now, so it might be adding some audio texture to uh, the podcast if you hear a very faint <sighs> during this whole thing. Uh, that is intentional. That's not a, that's not an edit. I didn't edit that in. That's real. That's real, guys. This is this is lo-fi, man. This is <laughs> this is real, dude. Real and gritty. But man, stage time with Tour de France, like three crashes today. Uh, three crashes, and the thing is, what people don't understand is, like, when you crash, man, if you, like, you know, if you're a derailer, you don't have any repair tools on your bike, so 
you know, if your derailleur ham- hanger, you know, gets bent, I think, did I see someone's handlebars break? What happens is, you know, they have these team cars that fall behind them, right? The only thing is the team cars, like, if you get dropped by the Peloton, you know, your team car is just going to blast right past you to serve the rest of your team. So if you end up, you know, if something on your bike ends up breaking, if you end up, you know, attacking, you're sprinting and you're, you know, 10 minutes ahead of the Peloton, something insane like that, and all of a sudden both your tires break, you know, you crash and uh, you have some, you suffer some mechanical error where you can't shift and, and you can't pedal right anymore. That 10 minute lead, you basically just lost that. You know, you can hop on your bike and try to ride on your rims, but dude, you're done. Once the Peloton eats you back up, any sort of, uh, you know, any sort of benefit you had is completely, you know, any, all the distance you gained, done all that work over but yeah it's something uh, people don't understand about the tour de france one crash you know they're not wearing they wear a helmet but that's it other than that they have like gloves on but there's really no other protection you know the eyeglasses but that does that's not going to do much and a lot of these guys you know if they fall down they're going at pretty high speed so if they hit the concrete if they hit the road like i mean from stage one that uh one of the Enios riders, I believe, uh, fractured a femur, had to leave the Tour de France. You know, another rider uh, had to abandon the Tour de France on stage eight. You know, a lot of crashes today uh, for this uh, stage 10. It is, uh, yeah, it is crazy. Peter Sagan, though, still uh, retains the green jersey, the sprinter. He, uh, yeah. Keeps the green jersey because uh, he, even though he didn't win the stage, um, Sam Bennett did. Um, he was just a couple seconds behind him and wasn't a you know the points were are still in his favor. So, but Sam Bennett gets to you know have a stage win. You know, in cycling, for the amount of people that are in the sport, there are very few winners. Very very few. I mean, you have stage winners, you have the jerseys, you know. And like, that's about it. Like at the end, you know, if you were like, a, if you were a great climber, um, you know, like there's like the spirit of the mountain award, but that's kind of, you know, this is some additional thing they kind of throw out there. I don't even know what it really means. Spirit of the mountain. Doesn't that go for the, the KOM, uh, Jersey winner? Uh, I guess it just goes if, if, you know, if you were like really inspiring to watch or something, who knows? But, uh, man, the rankings, though. Yeah, Sam Bennett, number two. And, uh, actually, let's see. Let's see the teams. Trek Segafredo, huh? No, no, no. That's not the team stage rankings. I want to see the, I want to see the individual rankings. Let me see who's in the yellow jersey. Rogalik. Did that Apollini guy ever make it back? Because he, he had that 22nd, you know, penalty he had, he suffered, which is just for a water bottle he got, which is, yeah, I get it. But come on, to lose 20 seconds, I mean, that's so much. Yeah, now he's dropped down to 41st. Man, that sucks for a Lippolini. Oh, yeah, but uh, Rogalik, he's only... uh. Oh, the the guy, next guy behind him is only 21 seconds behind, Egon Bernal. So, Team Enios, of course, used to be Team Team Sky. 
riding all Penarello bikes, of course. So very close behind uh, uh, 20, well, 21 seconds. That's an okay lead. You know, if you ever get like five minutes ahead, hey, Tour de France is pretty much done. Then there's Nairo Quintana. Nairo Quintana, he's one of the very few South American riders uh, in the Tour de France. Uh, but, man, very close to, uh, you know, fifth. Fifth from the overall leader. So, fascinating. Man. Man, the Sam Bennett guy, you know, the sixth Irishman to have ever won, a, you know, uh, a Tour de France stage. That's a... Uh... Oh, and he's a powerful sprinter, too. Wow, he was holding on... Yeah, yeah, he was holding on to the green jersey right behind Sagan. Is he number one in the jersey ranking now? Is he the green jersey? No, I think Sagan's still the green jersey. Man, I'd love to go cycling throughout Ireland. You know, I'm supposed to go to Ireland this year. Uh, stupid COVID, man. Really, uh, really, uh, really ruined the year, huh? Man, speaking of uh, sports, though, uh, what is up? I was seeing something about Gardner Minshew. Uh, is fantasy, is football coming back? Is that what I'm saying? Is NFL coming back? Because I'd want to see more Minshew. I want to see more... Yeah, I guess I guess it is coming back 2020. I don't. The, the, this is the thing: is like every day I wake up, I work, and today I I like I barely work today, and stupid ads. And the thing is, is like I watch sports when I can. Like I was watching the the Lakers Rockets game today, and I'm not like in my free time. I'm not like you know. I'm not like researching every other sport, right? I either, you know, I'm. I'm, I I biked I yesterday I went bike riding and running so I was kind of beat today so I I took a, a rest day today so I was just uh you know so today I instead of going to like jujitsu or or bike riding again you know I I watching that Lakers Rockets game with uh, LeBron and Harden man I I'm still not used to the uh, the whole uh, you know virtual setup they got going on there inside the bubble. It's, uh, you know, yeah, I'm still not used to it. The 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 worst thing, I think, is the camera angles because you don't have as many camera men, so you always have that wide, you know, back-and-forth stadium shot. You don't have all the other, uh, you know, shots they used to get before, you know, from the other sides and angles because when you see it only from that, you know, top-view wide shot, uh, while it does give you sort of a great overarching, you know, view of the court uh dude it it's still kind of it, it's not enough still it, it still kind of sucks you know you can't you can't really like i don't know get kind of courtside with it can't you can't see it up close it uh you know like what was it i like you know when they stand you it's like oh was that a, i think that was a three no it was a two. Oh wait did he actually hit him no i guess it wasn't you know because you're you're still far away but man, so that that's one of the things is I didn't think the camera angles would be affected. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing I didn't expect COVID nineteen to get was the camera angles. <sighs> that's what nobody saw coming. The camera angles. <laughs> Who knew we would have missed the left far side shot of the basketball court so much? <laughs> 
left near side zoom in pan out <laughs> uh, those are all my uh, those are all my camera terms I know cam cameraology I can uh, dip into there uh, yeah if the NFL is starting back up again I want to see more Gardner Minshew representing Washington State University, Gardner Minshew. Washington State University gets absolutely no credit at all in NFL put football. They said Gardner Minshew was from the University of Washington, not even Washington State University. It is, uh, it is you know, no respect for WSU, no respect for the other university here in Washington State. You know, it's funny actually. I was taking actually a a look back on on my, you know, I I have my. I have my university degree sitting in a closet, right? So I, I I go back in, I open that thing up, I you know I take a look at, you know my cumulative GPA, all the classes I took, all the years I spent there. I still have my acceptance letter that's in there, uh, my little acceptance note, as as well as my uh, my degree itself, MSc Material Science and Engineering, which, you know I'm 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 glad I I have the knowledge. I'm glad I got it. You know I would never. I mean this is my degree. I would never trade this for, you know anything else in the world. You know I'm I'm gonna keep this forever. Um, it's uh and by keeping it forever, I mean I'm going to put it far far away, deep deep into my, uh, closet and uh hardly ever look at it. <laughs> that is, and that way it will be preserved for future generations. Uh, same thing with my high school diploma. Just uh, keep it nice and tight in its little car cover. Push it way into the back of the closet and forget about it. Oh, but I guess it would be nice to actually get that properly framed. You know, get a nice frame for it. Actually, put it up and and have it somewhere. I have these um, the uh, command strips which I've I've used to hang up like a cork board and stuff. But the cork board. And other pieces of art have come down, so I need to either buy a, I guess a bunch more command strips. You know that that those stupid stickers they lose their tackiness. You know the uh, they lose the stick, man. You know the the stick the st my stickers are losing their stick. You know so they they would just they, stupid things fell down. I, I I also feel like I overloaded my cork board too. My dad says he doesn't want any holes in the wall. Then all of a sudden I put up a cork board, it falls down, and, you know, the wall gets nicked a million times over. It's probably worse than if we just put a hole in it, a little small nail hole to hold something up. Uh, but I will say there is a convenience to command strips. And I got to put more stuff up on my uh, on my walls. You know, it's way too plain. You know, I have a Foo Fighters poster that uh, for a concert I didn't even go to. I just... Went to the Foo Fighters website. I saw a poster that I like, so I just bought it. And then I got a the cheapest frame I could from Walmart. It's a cheap black frame, and I put it up. And I don't know. I just I just like the art, you know. I just appreciate the art for the sake of artistry. So that's uh yeah that's <laughs> that's why I got that. I should see uh I should check the Foo Fighters website again. See if they're doing anything, you know. See if they have any other cool posters. It's funny when you don't listen to like uh, like a band for a while, and then you go back and listen to them. You know, because I wasn't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so kind of focused on school when I was at school, right? I wasn't really like listening to every new album and and keeping up. You know, I've I've never been a like a big I don't know culture junkie. 
you know, I don't know. Like, I've never gone, like, I've never been a guy that gets, like, very deep with bands. You know, I know all the names of all the guys. I know the years the albums came out. I got the live recording. You know, I'd love to go to a Foo Fighters concert one day, but, you know, I, uh, it has to, it has to work for my schedule. It has to work for my schedule, and I'm more than willing to buy the t-shirts, but, uh, they gotta be decently priced and of good quality. No, I actually like some of these Foo Fighters t-shirts. I have too many t-shirts, though. I have too many t-shirts. I gotta get over that. Alright, let me see. You guys got any posters? You guys got any cool posters I can check out? Nope. I see no posters here. Glassware? I think I got glassware. The Foo Fighters accessory glass. A bar mirror? That's... That's stupid. I'm not going to buy a stupid bar mirror. Never mind. No posters of the Foo Fighters. All right. What was I talking about? Oh, that's right. Random sports. Hey, who's... Ex uh, by the way, that Lakers versus Houston uh, game, that was a good game, actually, with uh, LeBron and Harden and all those guys. Uh, yeah, I think Lakers won that game 105 to uh, the Rockets, 95. So uh, it was a good back and forth, a lot of good. They were constantly fighting back. Rockets had the lead for the while. Lakers caught, you know, Lakers caught back up. You know, they were going back and forth. So I uh, do you guys like listening to this, by the way? All the random sports I watch, cycling, MMA, basketball. <laughs> I can't find a genre I like. I, uh, speaking of uh, things I well, actually, here's something I do like. I watched that. Uh, there's this Netflix documentary. I don't know why it, why it hasn't gotten more attention. Called Fear City, New York versus the Mob. Dude, I don't know why this uh, documentary is only three hours long. And I know you're thinking to yourself, like, geez, it's three hours long. Really? You wish it was longer? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, let me tell you why. Uh, these mobsters are like, I don't know how they found these mobster guys, but they're like at they're like professional actors like one of the guys who used to be a captain in the mob he looks like a movie star like he's dressed in like a really nice suit you know he's sitting in the back of a bar he's talking about what he used to do and what he's done and you know at the end of the documentary it shows like yeah he served you know 10 years in jail for racketeering charges and i was like how does this guy afford a suit this nice after spending 10 years in jail is, is this some leftover money he got? Like, how doesn't he need to pay that back? <laughs> he stole all that. Like, how did this guy, how does he still dress so nice? <laughs> the answer is, he's still in the mob. <laughs> oh, but uh, that is crazy, just um, the lengths, um, how deeply involved the mob was in unions and industry. And, I mean, they basically controlled... They, they both controlled both sides of it, the business side and, like, the working side of it. Blue collar and white collar. And they were just, they just had, you know, they just really had, like, a lot of high, like, mil, like these aren't small mom and pop shops where they can just use a little bit of intimidation. Like, they had million, million dollar companies giving them millions of dollars. You know, anything over $2 million, hey, 2% kickback, all right, of every single big, con a 2% kickback of a $100 million construction project, like, you know, 
And of course, you know, this isn't, you know, paid for by taxes or anything. And they had control of these huge pension funds for, with all these uh, workers in it that uh, they could, you know, manipulate the stock market just by calling up, you know, the pension guys and having them move money from this to that to th- and that to this. And, you know, they manipulate the stock market in their favor. It is insane how deep and crazy uh, the control of the mob was and uh, how all the mob bosses, they didn't really compete with each other. They all sort of worked together uh, in the commission, you know, commission. And, uh, oh, man, the uh, the saddest part is sort of towards, I, I didn't, oh, who, whatever, it already happened. It already happened, you know, back in the 80s. It's not a spoiler now, but one of the... Uh, one of the the head bosses, the boss of bosses, right? Paul Castellano, you know, he's the he's the big chief, right? The head honcho guy, the boss of bosses, dude, head of the commission. These uh, little kind of worker bee mobsters. Paul Castellano says, "Hey, one of the things is, uh, I don't want anybody to deal with drugs in my mob. The mob I'm after, what we do, we don't do the drug stuff. We let that leave that for the other guys. No drugs." Uh, turns out uh, <laughs> all their guys bought and sold drugs because, like, dude, we're we're already in the mob. We're already <laughs> stealing, murdering, like, <laughs> selling drugs is not a, you know, that's not, why would we, why would we stop at murder and theft and not also sell drugs? <laughs> like, why? Which is like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> and, and apparently Paul Castellano you know, Papa Castellano, dude. Once he hears about that, you done. He he, you're uh, kicked. You kicked out of the mob, which basically means you get whacked. And uh, these guys are like, listen, either we get whacked or uh, we gotta whack him. And these worker bees show up with some machine guns, and uh, just man, they just mow through this guy. And uh, this is right after his first sort of like trial hearing, because uh, what happened is the FBI played, planted bugs everywhere. And the houses and the cars and every they plant everywhere they planted bugs in restaurants, bushes, lamp posts, you know, parking meters just to get anything. And this investigation takes years and years and years and effort and hundreds of people, you know, all working around the clock just to, you know, uh, apply this thing called the RICO law to. Uh, to you know shut down uh you know the head of organized crime a, a big branch of organized crime in New York City and man you know uh you know there's another commission that's rising up out of the dust <laughs> of this one maybe not to the same extent or the same power but uh there's definitely there's definitely is uh I mean you know crime's always going to exist but uh, it's, man, oh, I can only imagine, you know, 80 years from now, uh, they'll be like, you know, Fear City 2, <laughs> New York versus the techno mob, <laughs> internet conspiracy theorists all banded together and formed a commission. They, <laughs> they convinced everyone in New York City they were their own country <laughs> and had everyone trade in their dollars for Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, what a scam. And then they stole all their pension funds. <laughs> Everyone liquidated their pension funds into Bitcoin. Man, God, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be funny? 
you know, instead of a pension fund, uh, here's your pension fund in Bitcoin. It's worth $10, now 50 now a million, now two cents. <laughs> Man, I wish I understood that stuff better. I heard about Bitcoin back when I was like a freshman in high school, you know, like, when was that, 2008? You know, Bitcoin's been around for years, but I, I just never, I always, I mean, I even back then I thought to myself, maybe I should like mine Bitcoin, but I really didn't understand how to mine it, you know, I, I didn't. Like, all I had was a crappy, you know, home desktop computer. I didn't have some sort of high-end uh, whatever thing, you know, high-end server, right? A high-end sort of processor to sort of, you know, chop up these numbers, right, to, to process all this. I, I didn't have that. So it's not like I could have, you know, gotten much anyway. I mean, maybe whatever little I got would have been worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars now. Right. Ah, oh, man, it is a uh, man. It is smoky today. It's a lot of smoke from a lot of fires. Uh, I guess because California is on fire, all this smoke just uh, blows up north. Ah, uh, man. The funny thing is, there's wildfires that happen like every single year. Every single year, there's like I, I can't. Im I, I it really boggles my imagination how it's. Every single year, there's so many wildfires, and uh, it doesn't, like, ever burn itself out, you know? Like, when I remember when I was used to take uh, little trips to, like, the Redwood Forest or the Sequoia National Forest, they, they would do controlled burns where they would actually set fire, like, like, before, you know, it actually used to be considered a very natural part of the ecosystem for there to be small fires that developed and, you know, burned away all the, you know, old foliage on the ground to make way for new growth. You know, ashes are very uh, uh, nutrient-dense, apparently. That's something I didn't know. Ashes is nutrient-dense uh, for the soil. It introduces a lot more nitrogen so plants can grow. So, uh you know, the most powerful of volcanoes produce the most fertile of soil. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I think I heard, I think that was from the Incredibles movie. I don't even think that's based in any science. That's just something some guy said and everyone thought it sounded good. But yeah, man, it's, uh, dude, it, and, and, and with these wildfires, it's like, is there ever, is there ever like, I, I guess because of like the forest is so huge and so large, you know, it'll, the force will never actually ever burn itself out. But how does it just keep, like, I don't even think the, like, do the wildfires ever, ever stop too? Like, that's another thing. Like, it all, all, it seems like it just goes on year round, each and every year. Like, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, the, uh, like, it, one day is a whole forest going to burn down? You know, is it, is there ever going to be a year where it's like, ah, oh, there's really no, uh, you know, dried up grass or leaves on the ground. So I guess, uh, you know, I guess we just don't have a wildfire this year. Like when, when is that ever going to happen? You know, I remember I, uh, yeah, back in high school, bunch of ash blew in, but like, and I could see pieces of ash, not just, smoke but actual like pieces of ash in the air 
and uh, you know you and, and while everyone else ate inside me and all my stupid friends we were like oh, whatever dude just eat outside the air is just as dirty inside that gym they're all eating at as it is out here. We're going to be fine, right? Let's just, let's just talk and hang out here. Uh, the funny thing is I didn't even really realize how smoky it was till I left my house later today because I just thought, because uh, I was smelling it through my window because I have the hottest room in the house. I had the window open, and I was just smelling it, and I just thought somebody was barbecuing all day. I was like, is that is that barbecued meat? So I smell meat? It doesn't smell bad. It, it it smells fine. It smells actually kind of good. There's kind of good smoky texture. Is that mesquite? Is that what? Am I smelling mesquite? <laughs> Who's got the smoker going? Oh, speaking of smoker, I'm thinking of getting one. I'm thinking of getting like a like a Traeger grill, uh, like a small five hundred dollar or six hundred dollar, uh, yeah, Traeger grill smoker. Just throw some steaks on there, turn it up, grill it, see what happens. Smoke up some meats. Let's go. Let's do it. Luckily, uh, since I uh, still work at the bike shop, I uh, have a retail discount I can sort of dip into at any time. And uh, that'll be pretty nice. Dip into that, you know, and uh, see what kind of discount I can get. Uh, and I might be going back to that job full time, you know. Who knows? My job at my nine to five, they are getting rid of people. And uh, let's just say I'm not too confident I'm going to be uh, one of the ones they keep, <laughs> especially after uh, my performance today uh, where I based, dude, what happened was I ate like three donuts, three Krispy Kreme donuts in the morning. I then followed it up with a bunch of old meat in the fridge. And uh, I basically, I had a big glucose spike from the morning and then it dipped down and then where I got sleepy, then I ate a whole bunch of meat, which took apparently every available resource in my body. It took, it drained my body so much to digest all this meat. It literally lulled me into a sleep-like state where I had to fall asleep to just break down all this meat I've eaten and for my body to incorporate it, you know, throughout my, my muscles and veins, I guess. God, you know, that's the thing about this, uh, this carnivore diet is I, um, I gotta know when to stop eating meat. I just keep eating till it hurts. And then when it hurts, I stop, but I've eaten so much. I just, I lose all the benefits. I just like fall asleep. It's, it's, I'm, I have to use like everything in my body to break it down. It's not painful for a long time. I'm sort of training my body to to deal with a very large capacity, but uh, but it's getting there. It's definitely like wow, man, you uh, you can just eat one and feel fine. You don't need to eat four and uh, eat it till it hurts. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh man, guys, wow, Thir- almost thirty-one minutes. Uh, thirty-one just hit it. Uh, and another super quick episode of just me talking into my microphone. Uh, so listen guys, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. All right, guys. Listen, that, <laughs> that's another episode of the Space for Dallas podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Dallas.